Good morning, Impact City. It's so good to be here today. I'm excited for week three of our series, and I'm going to invite you to take your seat. And it's my privilege to welcome you today. Thank you, worship team. It's my privilege to welcome you. If you are visiting us for the first time, we are so excited you decided to, to worship with us. I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 13 only. Everything is in the U version app. I've, I've told you before, if you go to um, events, it will be the first one that will pop up if you have your locations enabled. Impact City, everything is there and it'll allow you to add notes at your convenience. I'm excited uh, to continue and to build off of this series um, because I, I do believe that for, for some time we have uh, declared deliverance, we've, we've talked about it, we've, we've been able to shout about our freedom, but, but now we're able to get into the how. How do we get there? How do I make a choice in my daily living? How do I make some decisions? How do I make some healthy habits and some disciplines that will be able to be conducive, that will be able to line up with the biblical principles that God has established in his word and to be able to obtain that life? I shared with you some weeks back that they did a survey over a thousand churches, REACH, the, the organization REACH did a survey of over a thousand churches of how many believers, how many Christians in our pews uh, truly believe that they were living their life to, to the fullness of God. And it was an alarming 11% of Christians said, I believe that I am living in the fullness of God. What if schools only passed 11% of their students? Uh, that, that would be a huge concern. So let, let's get there together. And if you haven't been here, you can watch the, the previous weeks, but I challenge you for the next few weeks to be here as we continue to dive into this. This is the Tree of Life, part two, and it's Galatians chapter five, verse 13. Paul says, for you have been called to live in freedom. And that's what you've been called to do. That's why you're here. You've been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. We've studied the two trees in the Garden of Eden and how they represented a way of living. We explored last week the tree of, knowledge, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and how it is a deadly fruit that can lead to shame and that could lead to victimization. This week, we're going to continue to look at the tree of life and its ability to set us free from incorrect thoughts, from perhaps some perspectives or perhaps some mindsets that we have had of God, and to be able to really be free. So I'll, I'll make this analogy. If you have weak muscles, if anyone in here has weak muscles uh, that you have not been using correctly, that you have not been using, it's just like when you haven't worked out for a very long time and then you work out for the very first time in months, uh, it, it hurts almost just to move. Um, and it gets more difficult as, as time goes by and as you get older. Um, it is true. I'll, I'll never forget one time that I worked out. I felt like I was walking, but I had no, no legs um, just because I was in so much pain. They were, it almost felt like they were not there. Um, when, when we don't use our muscles and we're not activating them, um, they, they, become, they, they, they get into a state of not being accustomed to being used. Why do I say this? Because there are some spiritual muscles that we need to awaken. Amen? There are some spiritual muscles that we have to 
awaken and as we as followers of Jesus that we have to we have to build our faith by reading his word we have to take time and devote our time ourselves to be able to read his word to to retrain our thought process that lines up with the biblical truth that we find in his word just like and just like weightlifters as as you're beginning to lift weights you need a spotter to help encourage you to help you to be there that's why we need each other we need community uh, we we need people that can challenge us and people that can assist us when the burden is too heavy that that we could look at our our neighbor and say I'm here with you. I'm here for you. I'm praying with you, alongside you, and I'm believing God for what you need him to do. We need partnership, and we need support in this faith-building process, and that's why we're going through this series for the next few weeks to learn how to truly live in freedom, that as we progress, that as we keep moving, that we'll be able to see the tree of life as, as, a, as a framework to be able to, to use as a frame of reference that we would approach every situation that you face, to, that you would approach every challenge that, that comes before you through the, the mindset of the tree of life the tree of life. So we're going to look at what that means and what, how that looks. So remember that God's commands were, were never meant to be burdensome. It was never meant to be just a drag for, for us to be able to go through life. He said, no, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. In fact, as we grow close to him and we learn to hear his word, we will find our heart, we will find rather his heart for us. We'll, we'll learn to, to be able to see how he feels about you, to learn how he thinks about you. Have you ever had someone that you, you've met and you're like, I, I don't know about him or her yet. I don't know if, if she likes me. I don't know if he likes me. I don't know how that person feels. But as you begin to spend more time with that person, you truly begin to find out how that person feels about you. Because let's just be honest, sometimes we write off people before we truly get get to know them. Just because we look at a certain thing and we, we tend to, to judge based off of that without truly getting to know the heart of the individual and, and what the, the person's motives truly are. So through this, we're going to be able to see what God's heart is towards us because there are people in this world that sadly think that God is just looking down at us like a father ready to get upset at us. But the Bible tells us that as the as as the Father here on earth is compassionate towards his children, so is the Lord towards us. I have to understand and I have to retrain my thoughts that he is not just looking to get me uh, caught up in a bad situation. No, he loves me enough. He loves you enough that, that no matter where you have gotten yourself into, he cares enough about you to help and to intervene and to come close to you and to be able to help you navigate out of that. His divine plan was made for you. His divine plan was made for you and not for himself. He simply wants to protect us as we look through the scriptures from the very real danger that, that exists in this world. And more than anything, he wants us to know that he desires your success. This is Zephaniah 3.17 says this, the Lord your God is with you. He is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight. He will take great pleasure. He will take great happiness. It doesn't matter how you spin it. In you, 
In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. That, that is so incredible. I have, to, I have to say that one more time. This is the word of God over your life. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. That's right, you. Just as you are today, just as you are with all your failures, as you begin to think of everything you've done in your life, the Bible tells us that he will take great delight in you, in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but he will rejoice over you with singing. God thinks that of you. God thinks that of us here today. That's reason enough for me to smile and to be excited because I know what he thinks about me. I don't know what, I may not know how you feel about me, but I know how he feels about me and I know how he feels about you. His word tells me that he will rejoice over you. You are that important you are that significant. You are that valuable. It doesn't matter what you've been told all your life. It doesn't matter if someone said you were an accident. No, no, God does not make accidents. You are here by the divine will and the divine purpose of the creator. And before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. He separated you. He, he, he pulled you up out of the situations. Think of it for just a moment. Everything that you've been through, all the hell that you've had to endure and all the suffering just to arrive to this moment. He has designed you for this moment and for this purpose. I know, I know what he thinks of me. I know what he thinks of you. The fruit of living in the tree of life. So there's a few things that we're going to go through. Number one, the tree of life results in fellowship with God. It is an automatic result. It is an automatic result. The tree of life results in fellowship. It's a natural consequence. There are some natural consequences in life. One of them is having the tree of life. I automatically get communion. I get fellowship with God. The Bible says in John 17, 3, now this is eternal life that they, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. According to Vine's Bible Dictionary, the word know in this verse is the Greek word gnosko, and it is a progressive knowledge. It is something that as time goes on, you begin to recognize, you begin to understand more of, of him and to understand completely we're making progress to get to him. It's just what, what Paul said. He said that we would know the love of God that surpasses all understanding. He was saying, I want you to understand something that is so difficult to understand. It is the same word, gnosko, there. It is a progressive knowledge that as time goes by, that as we go through life, as, that, as, that, as we go through challenges and difficulties, that we begin to understand him more, that we begin to know him more. That is what it is talking about. It indicates a relationship relationship that the only way to experience abundant life is to truly know the living God. The only way to experience abundant life is to truly know the living God. He asked us to love him, but only after. He said, if, if, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your mind and with all your soul. But, but before he did that, but before he asks us to love him, he displayed his love for us. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son, that through him we would be able to have eternal life. This is real love, First John says. This is real love that now that we have loved God, but 
that he loved us. Not that we have loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins. The Bible says in 1 John that the only reason we have any love at all is because he first loved us. It wasn't because we found him. It's because he found us. It's, because, it's not because we took a step towards him. It's because he took a step towards us. God loved us so much that he sent his son. And we, we say this so much in church, but can we really wrap our minds and our hearts around it? That he sent his son to die on a cross to make a way for us, for you and I, to have a relationship with him. The cross represents so much more than a sacrificial death, but it is a promise. It's a blood covenant that God made with his son so that we could have confidence that he would never change his mind about his relationship with you. Aren't, aren't, don't you need that in your life? With everything changing, with everything that fluctuates in this world, with relationships that change, well, he changed his mind about me or she changed her mind about me. Or, or the world changes and our health changes and our body changes, the economy changes, politicians change, everything around us changes. Don't we need something consistent like a God that is unmovable, that he would not change his mind about you? Your employer may change his mind about you, but but God will never change his mind about you. In the Old Testament, God makes a covenant with man, and man always continually, it's a, it's a continual pattern that you see throughout the prophets. That's why the prophets would come, they would admonish, they would say, turn your hearts to God. They would turn their hearts to God for a little bit, then they would go back to their ways. It was a continual pattern that man would always break this covenant. So this time, God sealed the covenant with the blood of his son, Jesus, so that there is nothing, as Paul says, that can separate us from his love. There is nothing. There is nothing. Second thing, fellowship with God results in innocence, not the other way around. It results in innocence. So when you have fellowship with God, something that happens automatically is innocence. Let's look at what this means. The Bible says that when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit, they realized, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, it says they realized they were naked. Their circumstance had not changed. They were still not wearing any clothes. The only thing that changed is that they realized that they were naked. Their innocence left in that moment. As we spend time... Walking with God as we spend time listening to his voice, talking to him, obeying him, worshiping him. We notice a transformation that takes place, not only on the outside, but on the inside as well. When we become, in a sense, naked or transparent before him, unashamed before him, it is the the byproduct, it is the product of having a fellowship with him. Nakedness in Genesis chapter 3 verse 7 speaks of innocence. Adam and Eve were unaware of any reason to hide anything. Before that moment, there was no hiding whatsoever. They had no sin consciousness. So think of it this way. Think of little kids uh, it, when you have children running around your, your house with no clothes after a bath. They know no different. 
They know no different. It is innocence. It's absolutely no shame. It is childlike innocence that is just an incredible virtue. Adam and Eve's nakedness was part of the innocence and simplicity of their lives. It was just something natural that happened. Before they sinned, they had nothing, absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. But it was sin that entered. And then all of a sudden they realized it changed human, humankind for human humanity forever. And it is the same concept that Jesus is talking about when he said that we have to be like little children to enter the kingdom of heaven. It is the same concept that we have to become like little children to enter the kingdom of heaven because the truth is children are not technically innocent. They just don't have any hesitation about it. They have no shame in it. They are not weighed down by guilt. They are not weighed down by shame. They are not weighed down by burdens. First Corinthians chapter 14 verse 20 tells us, brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children in regards to evil. Be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In regards to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. God wants us to be mature in our way of thinking, but for the kingdom of work, for the kingdom of God to truly work powerfully through our lives, we must foster a childlike spirit. A childlike spirit. Childlikeness may look to some as a simple mind, as something simplistic, but it is actually a biblical way to live. Jesus said that we should be as shrewd as a snake and as innocent as a dove. That's a mysterious and rare combination for the world that we live in because Paul tells, says it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, that God deliberately chose the things this world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. The simple things in life, God chose those things to put to shame those who think they're wise. Dare to be misunderstood in your pursuit of your relationship with God because only the pure of heart will be able to obtain and will be able to see him. Blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure. Simple innocence is born out of a relationship with God. I have to know him. I have to know him. It happens when we rest in him, when we can be confident in him. We abide in his favor and his presence so that when someone offends us, when someone offends us, it happens, we can respond with the kindness instead of anger. And with ins instead of vengeance. As we are transformed into the image of God, we become less and less affected by the negativity of this world. I don't know about you, but I need this. I need to become less and less affected by the negativity of this world. If we truly live with an innocent spirit, the enemy has no ammunition against us because there is no shame in our lives, because we have a fellowship, because we have fellowship with him, because we have a relationship with 
with him. If we sin, we know how to receive forgiveness. So when we live in this perspective, when we sin, we know how to receive forgiveness. And if someone offends us, we know how to forgive. We know how to say, I forgive you, even though you never tell the person to their face. You release that from your inner heart, and you don't let that harbor resentment or anger or frustration inside of you. You don't worry about being vindictive because you know that that vengeance belongs to God. You know, you know, you know. And so the third thing, innocence is a conduit of God's power. It is a means of God's power. This is what Jesus himself said. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is what Jesus said after his great temptation in the desert when he was tempted by the enemy. He came out, the Bible says, full of the Spirit, full of the Spirit, and began, began his public ministry in that moment. He began to operate in the power of the Spirit. This scripture says that, that God anointed Jesus to preach. Preach the good news. What does it mean to be anointed? Because we see that word being used in, in our lives in reference to us. It means to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. It means to be empowered by God. It means that we can't do it on our own, that we need him, that we rely on him, that we trust in him, that our confidence is solely in him, that when we are filled with his spirit, we become free from the works of the darkness in our lives. We become vessels of honor that God can use for his honor. Innocence keeps our minds and our hearts pure, helping us continually to recognize the need for God. I need you in every moment. I need you to be here for me, to be here for me. An attitude of dependence on God is fertile ground for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that when I can just rest on him and that I could trust in him, that I, that, that I can know that he takes care of of me. He takes care of me. As we seek God and as we, as we submit our lives to him, the Bible says in 2 Timothy that he equips us. He empowers us. He enables us. He gives us the tools that we need. He gives us the resources that we need for every good work, for every good work. Jesus said in John chapter 15 and verse 5, he said, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Innocence and power always produce the gifts and the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So let's break that down just a little bit more, and then we'll be on our way. Innocence, so when we get to this state, what it results is, it results in freedom. It results in freedom. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Does that make sense to you? It is for freedom. It is one thing to be liberated in an instance, but it's another thing to live out that liberation. God did not just free us from sin when we accepted him as our savior, when we made a public declaration of baptism for that moment and that moment only, but he intended it to be a way of life for us, a way of life for you and I, that we would continually live in freedom. I was set free 
to live in freedom. I wasn't set free to keep thinking about the past. I wasn't set free to keep letting things, to, to let, keep letting old habits and, and old ways of thinking creep up on me. No, I was set free to live free. I was set free to live free in the way I talk, in the way I walk, in the way I move. In, in my life, Christ should be reflected. It results in freedom. This is the mystery of godliness that when we will sin, doesn't mean that we will never sin again. We will sin and we will fall. But if we sin with the tree of life as our perspective, we can easily receive forgiveness and we can get back up. You can get back up. What's knocked you down this morning, you can get back up. You can. How quickly we get back up, though, depends on the degree of understanding that we have in our hearts of the completeness of God's forgiveness. How quick you get up depends on how well you understand his word and how well you know him. When you begin to think and when you begin to embrace his mind, his mind for you, the, the Bible says this, that the Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him, that though he stumble, he will not fall. I may be, I may be tripping, but I'm not going to fall, for the Lord upholds me. That's what David said, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I'm so glad that that circumstances will keep coming. And in this life of freedom, problems will keep coming and people will still hate on us. But let the haters hate that when we are stumbling, I will not fall because, because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I will not fall because he holds me up. And that, that while I am stumbling through circumstances, stumbling in my emotional life and, and my anxiety and in my stress, that while I'm stumbling through that, I'm glad that God doesn't let me fall because he will extend his hand and he will keep me when we approach life with an innocent spirit, it changes the way we live and think in every part of our lives. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make, make this real practical for us this morning that, that when we attend church in the tree of life mindset, that we will love everything about church. That's how we can gauge our own lives and see and measure ourselves and see if we're living in the tree of life or, or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When I, when I have the tree of life perspective, when I will love everything. I will love coming to church. I'll love waking up in the morning. I'll love the coffee. I'll love the donuts. I'll love the people. I'll love the handshakes. I'll love the worship. I'll love the preacher because we're focused on the reason why we're here in the first place. We came for Jesus. Come on, Impact City Church. It's not about one person here. It's about all of us together lifting up the name of Jesus. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw men unto me. The one who deserves the glory in this place and the one who deserves the honor is the one that we've come to magnify in this place. It is about Jesus. It is about Jesus. On the other hand, if we think in the terms of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you might be thinking like this. The songs are too long and too loud. The preaching is too simple or too long. The children are too noisy. No one talked to me. No one said hi to me. 
Approaching life with innocence allows us to see the good things in front of us instead of picking apart every situation and picking apart every person and saying, man, he didn't smile at me today the way he usually does, or, or she didn't look at me the way she usually does. She didn't, she didn't hug me. She just shook my hand today. And we begin to overanalyze and break down these things that just begin to really affect us because the other person may have just not even noticed it, but yet we're the ones that are affected. And that is the point that I'm trying to make today, that God wants us to live free, that we come to church because of him. We don't come to church for any other reason. He's the one that sent his only begotten son to die on the cross. It was him. So what is, how are we looking at things? Through the tree of life or through the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Innocence sets us free. Worship team, will you come? Innocence sets us free. Relationships change in the innocence of the tree of life. We're no longer held to standards and we no longer hold people to impossible standards, but rather we are quick to extend forgiveness and we are slow to take offense. Instead of looking for people to meet our needs, through the tree of knowledge of good and evil, when we move to the tree of life, we look how we can serve others. It's liberating. It's liberating because I'm here to serve you. How can I help you? What can I do for you? Because we live for Jesus and his kingdom, people are no longer able to take advantage of us because it's not about people, it's about him. This is true freedom that, that is born on the inside and reflected on the outside. That reading the Bible, that when I pray, that when I serve others, it's a source of life and security. And, and it's a mindset that I get to do this. I don't have to do this. I get, I have the privilege to read my Bible. I have the privilege to walk into the house of God and praise him. I have the privilege to serve my neighbor. It brings us strength, it brings us delight. That these things should never be religious duties or just something out of performance or just something that we have on a to-do list. No, it, it, in the innocence of the tree of life, we realize that these things that we do here, these tasks are done out of relationship because I love Jesus and they're not done because of responsibility. Falling in love with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus turns the idea of duty into devotion. We have a choice to make. Duty or devotion. And when you get to that devotion part, it is such a beautiful and it's a wonderful thing that, that, the, that he walks with me. That he talks with me that he tells me I am his own. That prayer will be powerful because I love Jesus. That reading the Bible will refresh my spirit. 
that will encourage me, that will give me a perspective, that will lift me up because we're living in the tree of life. No more guilt-ridden sittings where we plow through 20 chapters a day just because I got to check off the box because that's what Christians quote unquote do. I come to church because that's what Christians do. I, I read my Bible because that's what Christians do. No, I read my Bible because I love Jesus. I worship him because I love him. Religion says do it or suffer, but relationship says do it and live. Romans chapter 8. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And notice what he says, because he kind of, you just read that, it's just those who belong. But then Paul clarifies and he says, and because you belong to him. The power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So how to live in this tree? Now that we know it's possible to be free from bondage and to be free from think, our thinking and our actions, and that we could focus our relationship with God and with people, what are some truths? So what, what can I walk away with this morning that can help me have a firm foundation? upon which I build a life that is both abundant and free. You that are asking this morning, how do I get there? How do I get there? We must know who Jesus is and who we are because of him. Paul says that when we're looking to get to this point that it is important in Romans chapter 12 and verse one and two, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind Remember that your relationship with the Father is essential to living in the Father and to living in the tree of life. Your relationship with the Father is essential. Romans says that 5:8 says that God expressed his great love for us that while we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Before we looked for God, he made a way for you to come to him. Because of the finished work of Jesus, we're declared righteous. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So many of us in this place may have been serving God out of duty or fear, much like a servant. A servant comes just because his master tells him to, brings him whatever he needs because his master tells him to. A servant has an obligation to do what is expected. He is required to be faithful or he will suffer the consequences. But when we get to serve as a son, and when we get to serve as a daughter, it is because we're part of the family. I'm part of the family. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, God now sees us as sons and daughters. What does God say about us? So you're no longer a slave, but God's child. No greater promotion in this life exists. You're no longer a slave, but now you are a child. Since you are his child, God also made you an heir. There's an inheritance for us. 
I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons, and you will be my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. I have to recognize the two environments where I can choose to live in. I can choose to live under the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and always have this judgment mentality where I can choose the tree of life and have abundance and have freedom that only comes through my relationship with him. knowing that you can choose a tree of life response and attitude in every circumstance. So that's how we get there. Every day, every decision, every moment, I have to choose the tree of life. I have to choose the tree of life. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, this is the last verse and I'm closing. I shared this with you the first week. Moses challenged the Israelites to determine which path they would follow. He told them, you have a choice. You have a great God and you have a God that can do incredible things, but you have a choice. He told the Israelite people, the Israelite people, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses again against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses, now choose life so that your children, so that you and your children may live. One path led to life, the other path led to death. He said, choose life. Ask God today to help you make life-giving decisions every moment, at every turn. Through retraining the way we think and our, and our responses, even though that may take some time, we can learn to grow and grow and grow. It doesn't happen just overnight, but I, I have to make a continual choice. I have to make an active decision throughout the day that when I'm faced with a difficult decision or a situation that I can pause, I can examine, and I can ask God for wisdom. Remember that God loves you, and he is for you. And when you think of grace, remember that it was his idea. It wasn't yours. It wasn't mine. It was his idea. So I want to pray for you right there where you're at. Bow your heads. I can't make the Bible line up with what I think is true, but I can decide to align my beliefs with the truth of the Bible. Father, we thank you in this moment. Father, we thank you in this moment that you are faithful. I thank you that your word reminds us that the Holy Spirit renews our thoughts and our attitudes and that I can put on a new self and that I can be created that has been in a new self on, my, on me that, have been, that I have been created in the self-image of God. I thank you that I choose today to renew my strength. That I thank you today that I can renew my thoughts. I thank you today that I can renew my attitude and my perspective. I thank you that I can renew my belief. God, forgive us. Forgive us for living from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
forgive us for being held captive under that bondage. God, but today we declare an end to that. We take a step in the opposite direction. We choose the tree of life. God, we choose right now to make active choices, to make active decisions, to put you at the forefront, to put you at the center. God, and at every crossroad, at every moment, God, that we would choose life, that we would choose life. We thank you today for your word that reminds us, that encourages us, that is here to hold us accountable, that is here to hold us together. We thank you today. With every eye closed, if you have not made a first-time decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or perhaps on this day you want to recommit, yeah, you've taken some steps away, but you decided today, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow Jesus. I don't want to leave this service without giving you that opportunity to do so. I want to invite you to raise your hand just with every eye closed. Right now in this moment, I want everyone at the sound of my voice to pray and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross and making a way for me to come to you. I receive this gift and I ask you to come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I give you all of me and ask you to turn my life around. Fill me with your spirit and help me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to enter a moment of worship, and I want to invite, if, you're, if you want to come to this altar, we'd love the opportunity to pray with you, to pray for you. Whatever your circumstances, whatever your situation looks like today, you can choose different. We can choose different. And we can choose to believe and trust God with the heaviness that is on our heart and the frustration that is deep down on the inside and say, God, I just release it to you and I trust you with it. So as we enter this moment, I'm gonna invite you if you feel to come, to come. If not, where you're at, wherever you feel most comfortable, I want you to just lay your burden down and say, God, I give it all to you. God, I give it all to you. Father, I thank you once again that you hear my cry. I thank you that I'm that important to you, that you've come to remind me today what your thoughts are to me, that you rejoice over me, that you sing over me. I thank you that I was once a a slave, but now I am free.
I thank you that with the work on the cross, I went from being held captive to being liberated. I thank you that you call me your son. I thank you that you call me your daughter. I thank you that my past has no bearing on me, that my future is secure in your hands. God, right now, I just thank you for working in every heart, working in every life, working through every challenge, working through the tears that we've cried, working through the heartache that we've experienced. God, I thank you that there is no place that you will not go. God, in this place, there's people that are burdened, that are heavy burdened. God, right now, and I just pray that you would give rest today that we would lay that burden at your feet, that we would choose to make the decision to say, I'm gonna choose to surrender it to you and to know that your work is always perfect. I thank you in this moment. I thank you in this moment in Jesus' name.